Welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. And it's just a week till we head off on our trip to the United States. And we're going to have plenty of great live coverage, interviews and, and various bits and bobs from there as well. But we've got a Twickenham Games preview this weekend and we've got a cracking week eight of action plus a Thursday night football blowout to get to. This is the Gridiron Show. Hello and welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. Will Gavin and Ollie Hunter with you for your week eight preview show. Simon Clancy will be joining us to talk Thursday night football. Unfortunately, Matthew Sherry, despite the fact that just 20 minutes ago he was meant to be coming on the line and joining us to do this show, uh, has completely welched on us. It's poor from him. I, I was ready. And now he's throwing his toys out of the pram because he hasn't received on the pod yet. And I'm like, eh, well, you know, six, one, half dozen of the other, mate. I was ready an hour ago. I'm just saying. I was ready an hour ago when we all agreed that we would do it. You, of course, had something better to do, whatever. Didn't have something uh, better to do. I said quite early in the proceedings no, that I wouldn't no. be able to do that time and said you guys should go on without me. No, it's fine. It's fine. You said you had You something. went all no man left behind. Whoa, 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 whoa. I was like, yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'm here. What? I was ready when I sent that message. What's going on? How are we diddling, guys? Which my brother says all the time. How, <laughs> we, how are we diddling? Um, they said, oh no, let's uh, let's wait till Will. Let's wait till Will. I was I was ready. I was ready. So they they don't the, believe in you, Ollie. That's the problem. Do you know what? I think they don't. I like that you did, but they don't. I will always believe in you. You mate. do back me, but those guys. Come on, guys. It was a bit bit of a testy start to the show today. Have you uh, have you had a good week, Monbrov? Uh, yeah, yeah. That doesn't sound convincing. No, no, I have, I have. I've had some really good sleeps. Oh Lots. man, I'm so tired. Yeah, I really want some sleeps. And tonight I'm doing extra time on Talk Sport, so I'm literally not going to sleep for like another. 18 hours or something I just figured that out and that really hurts my head ah! <laughs> it's more than that it's way more than that well go to sleep like after this yeah I've got to do talk sports today on talk sport turd first yeah okay it's fine well you've got you know you are a workaholic so it's only yourself to blame yeah I've got Saturday off so that's nice um it's ultimate power Saturday uh yeah have you got your costume sorted I am not wearing a costume why not I'm not being like a Halloween Grinch or anything. I normally do wear a costume. Yeah. But I am coming in here yeah. straight from Ultimate Power in order to present MotoGP Live at five in the morning. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Before then heading back home. It's because we're going away. If we weren't going away for 10 days yeah. and I'm a freelancer and I wasn't going to be earning money, I wouldn't be taking all these crazy shifts. But already today, I've been in to do the paper review on the Ala Brazil Sports Breakfast. And then I've just come back B. from Comic Con, which is really funny that you mentioned that you. B. When you sent the, the diddling thing, it was really funny because I'd literally just seen a man dressed as Ned Flanders, but specifically Ned Flanders when he's in the ski suit, when Homer yeah. keeps imagining him like wiggling his tush, yeah. uh, but then with a Lego head. It was very confusing. Um, 
and then uh, yeah i've come straight back here to do the podcast and then do some work so i'm already like deep into my day yeah yeah, yeah. so i'm tired. you're fully committed I, I apologize if i'm really tired on this show we're gonna coming up we're gonna be speaking with simon clancy we're gonna be talking thursday night football and previewing basically any of the weekend games that me and ollie don't get to in the limited time that ollie has before he's got to go and get on with his real job um i have 25 minutes i can i can stretch it maybe maybe half an hour here's the here's the one thing that i enjoyed about thursday night football and it wasn't the display and we'll talk about the kiko alonso hit and and everything associated with it as well um so i did the nat coom show on tuesday and that asked me about thursday night football and i said if the miami dolphins win on thursday they will be the worst five and two team that i can remember yeah, you're right. You're right. And he said that that was really harsh and that the Dolphins proved they had heart with their comebacks and he thought that I was being hyperbolic and ridiculous. What I really love is when the people of Twitter do your job for you. So I hadn't tweeted the diehard Dolphins fan uh, Nat Coombs in any way, shape or form. I hadn't thrown any shade his way. I just kept quietly victorious. Uh, and... Joe, that's, that's unlike you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're very unlike me. And Joe Chambers on Twitter tweeted, listening to Tuesday's show, at Nat Coombs, Dolphins have car- heart, versus at Will Gav, Dolphins are dreadful. A bit of an I told you so moment after the result last night. Nat kind of tried to back his corner and went, look, guys, I'm not the sort of man to say I told you so. Asterix, I totally am, and on Sunday I totally will be. Sorry, what uh, what did you go for on the Gridiron Predictor game? Uh, I took the... I actually think I took the Dolphins I think because, you took the Dolphins. No, but the reason I took the Dolphins is because even though I was really taking the... I, I believe the Ravens were going to win, I said the Dolphins on the show earlier this week because I was trying to wind up Ben Mortimer. And I, I'm i not like Matt Sherry, where I'm willing to switch my picks. If I've said it on the podcast, unless there's a justifiable reason for changing it, like I find out a player's injured who wasn't expected to be or something like that, and then I justify it, I won't change my picks. My pod picks are my picks. That's how I do it. So I said Dolphins as a joke, I picked the Dolphins, and I'm regretting it. And so you should. And so here's Simon Clancy to talk about the Miami Dolphins. So let's take a look back at Thursday night football and when the Dolphins, for the second time in a season, it's just crazy, a winning record and two shutouts in the same season. What a weird 2017 this has been in the NFL so far. But when the Dolphins managed to put zero points on the board while conceding 40 past their apparently legitimate defence, there's no better man to speak to than Simon Clancy. How are you doing, buddy? Oh, good, thanks, mate. How are you? Yeah, very well, mate. Very well. Did you stay up last night? Uh, well, I did, but I went to bed. Mid- I went to bed after the first pick six. So, um, because yeah, it was obvious that nothing. I mean, it was obvious well before that that nothing was going to change. But I just like to make the point, dear listener, that um, I'd hope you know that when we beat the Atlanta Falcons, when we beat the New York Jets, my my phone nary a call from the Gridiron <laughs> Podcast to discuss the Dolphins' victory. But oh, when I woke up this morning after the forty nil hammering, I was inundated with messages. Oh, come on and talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's because we like you when you're angry. You're fun when you're angry. Oh, I'm not angry. <clears throat> uh, look, the the I actually I was in early this morning, but I kind of I woke up just before half time, watched a bit of the game, then fell back asleep again. But I fell asleep during the Matt Moore drive where he got picked off right down when it looked like you were finally going to at least put some points on the yeah. board. Uh, I think that was the C.J. Mosley, the first was, big yeah. six of the two. And then I fell back asleep and woke up at, at 40 zip. I mean, just uh, from uh, before we get to the kind of big talking point from last night, the Kiko Alonso, Joe Flacco situation, from a Dolphins performance perspective, what happened last night? I'm not really sure, to be honest. I mean, 
I mean, I suppose ultimately when you look at it, and this is not to make excuses, the Dolphins are running with their what's essentially their third string quarterback. So everything from that point forwards has to be taken into context. I think the Dolphins season ultimately, if you're being real, realistic, died when, when Tannehill tore his ACL in, in training camp. <coughs> because although Matt Moore has 30 starts in the NFL, what you're essentially doing is you're, you're, you're playing the backup to Ryan Mallett. Ultimately, you're playing Joe Callahan, the Green Bay third string quarterback. Because if Tannehill was the first string quarterback, Matt Moore, although he was the second stringer, clearly wasn't deemed good enough to be the first stringer. So that's why they went to Jay Cutler, who's, you know, if you're going to put it in order, it would be Tannehill was the first stringer, Cutler ultimately the second stringer, and Matt Moore the third string guy. So ultimately, you're running with what, you know, what Adam Gaze believes is the third string quarterback, the third best quarterback that they've got. And I think you're seeing the you're seeing the results. Moore looked nervous. The Dolphins were m- made a, a huge amount of mistakes. And I, you know, I, I know some people within the Dolphins organization. I, and I woke up to an email this morning that said there was a lot of a, a lot of anger, not only at the mistakes that were made, but at the fact that after 18 to 20 months, the same mistakes were being made over mm. and over and over again. And it's, you know, uh, Tony Romo mentioned it in the commentary last night. A lack of football intelligence sometimes but it seems to manifest itself more and more and more because you think that there were times you know it might be Jarvis Landry lining up in the wrong position it might be Julius Thomas running the wrong route it might be Damian Williams I mean there was a blitz in the second quarter where Damian Williams picked up the guy that was Laramie Tunsil's man and left Damian Williams's man free to knock Matt Moore to the ground that confused Tunsil as well who didn't have a great game but you know you've got two Tunsil committed two false starts penalty false start penalties you've got an offside from and Damon Sue you've got you know all these little things just add up a little bit and add up a little bit you know that the fact that the Ravens ran an unbalanced line and it took to midway through the th- third quarter for the Dolphins to work it out you know guys covering the l- last week when um when the Jets scored their second touchdown on Cordrea Tankersley Rashad Jones essentially the captain of the defense not communicating properly with Tankersley that he was going to take an outbreaking tight end uh, and so Tankersley instead of being in zone was in man it's those little things and you think why is this not getting through why is the mess you know because I mean you know you speak to almost any sane Dolphins fan I mean Adam Gaze and uh, as I wrote in the magazine a couple of months ago when I did the long feature on him Gaze Stephen Ross the owner believes that Adam Gaze is his Don Shula is his modern day Shula and he's not going anywhere for a long long time you know he's a really really good coach but there's just some breakdowns that, you know, and, and my, my guy said to me that, you know, Gaze was essentially apoplectic with anger at how stupid the team can be sometimes. You know, they, they find themselves in these holes time after time after time. Is, is there an argument with this? Because they are basic mistakes that the stilted start to the season because of the basically week one bye week combined with the weeks and weeks on the road going to London not playing your first home game until so long into the season that kind of uh, then having to play Thursday night on a short week these things all kind of add up and and you never really get settled mentally and then it kind of all kind of catches up with you a bit they do but they sound like excuses don't they and they you, do you sound don't want like to excuses. Don't sit here and give excuses because it's, you know baltimore had to play on a short week as well and they ran up 40 so you know what's their excuse uh, yeah they have the dolphins have had it tough you know there has been lots of the, the chris forster situation the you know i i suppose the comp- what what's happened is lots of little things that have built up into you know you take the hurricane that's one little thing having to move to LA is another thing going to London is another thing dealing with the Chris Forster thing is an, is another thing you know you throw the Ryan Tannehill injury on top of that you, you look at the fact that they weren't able to practice with Mike Pouncey for example throughout the you know throughout the throughout training camp all those little things add up and and, and also what's happening is that Gaze is having to pare down 
his offensive playbook week after week in part because people keep making the same mistakes on on in inverted commas more difficult plays so last season a lot of the success came down the field with late breaking switch routes which were, were players running similar routes and then switching and confusing defensive backs and safety so kenny stills would get deep the way lot. the way it's the way that you beat the seahawks absolutely it's basically that is that is the the mode in which absolutely. you beat that team. G- G- gase runs so if you look at an adam gase offense he, he likes to do three things he, run, he runs y iso which is the tight end uh, the y position to one side isolated with three receivers to the to the other side of the field that's an absolute staple he runs that more than any any team in the nfl he likes to run screens now the dolphins can't run screens because they can't block screens they had the perfect touchdown last night which was an all-out blitz like an eight nine man blitz matt moore played it perfectly he got absolutely hammered but he held it up long enough threw it just dinked it over the line to damian williams who could have walked in for a touchdown and williams fell over caught the ball fell over and it was you know it was a walking touchdown to get the to get the dolphins right back in the game just before half time that didn't happen but so that's that's the second thing that gaze likes to run his screens and he doesn't like to run and the third thing is these these deep breaking switch routes the third the thing he doesn't like is running the football but he realizes that jay ajayi is arguably his best offensive player or his most reliable offensive player so there is a you know there is a he, there's a conflict within adam gase in terms of you know i want to throw the ball i want to put the ball up but i i know that the man that's going to probably do it for me most of all is ajayi but the biggest problem of all is the offensive line so he's paring down this playbook in part because people are too stupid to to work out what they're supposed to be doing and not make mistakes but b because the offensive line cannot block in the run game and they cannot pass protect. There, there is no pocket long enough for players down the field to get open and use these these switch routes. But also, uh, you know, Ajayi had that one run, the twenty. He had so his first carry was twenty-one yards, which was essentially a, a run through the A gap on the left-hand side, so to the free side of the field. Mm-hmm. And he actually ended up running outside right tackle, coming back across, back across, back across, just using his vision and kind of cutting back and cutting back and cutting back again. He then had, I think. 13 more carries for the rest of the game for a total of two yards at, w- at one point i think he was averaging one foot per carry <laughs> which is astonishing you know and ajay is a you know ajay is a five yard a carry guy last season you know the 200 yard games were not flukes but he is being hit i would say and i don't and i'm going to go through the all 22 of the first games of the season the first seven games of the season look i would suspect he's being hit at or behind the line of scrimmage on 60% of his carries so far this season. And, that and wouldn't surprise me. He's, he's not actually a guy who has picked up, despite the fact that he can be quite a violent runner, he's not a guy who's picked up a lot of yards after carry over the last two years. It's something he could improve in his game. Other than that, everything's fine with the Other Dolphins. Other than that, though. we're absolutely <laughs> cooking on gas, mate. And defensively, um, it wasn't great either last night. It was, you know, they, they played all right, but you know, they, they, they tried to attack the quarterback, and Alex Collins just ran over them and made them look stupid. Yeah, Alex it was Collins. A, it was a bad night for... You know, it was a bad night for, you know, the corners played well, but it was a bad night for the stars. Rashad Jones didn't play very well. Lawrence Timmons, who's had a superb start to the season, didn't play very well. And Damakin Sue didn't play very well. And the fact they ran the ball just took Cameron Wake out of the game completely, you know. So essentially, you know, kudos to, to Marty Morningwake, who'd been under a lot of pressure as the Baltimore offensive coordinator. But really, you know not a good performance by by the Dolphins so uh, I mean coming up for them it's Sunday night football against the Raiders then Monday night football against the Panthers so they're stacked up with three primetime games back to back to back so you've got to hope that they get it sorted nice and quickly before suspect, we see them in, I in suspect Carolina Kyler will, I suspect 
Jay Cutler. I mean, the Matt Moore experiment is dead. Gase has already said the Cutler will play against the Raiders as long as he's passed physically fit. And you know, I think if he's sat in a wheelchair, I think they'll they'll get him out. They'll give him a chance. Absolutely. Just don't don't play any wildcat. He won't like it. No, it just didn't work. (laughs) Um, Let's just just quickly then talk about the hit, the Kiko Alonso Joe Flacco situation because I've been really torn on this all day today. Me too, actually. I've been struggling with it since the moment I first saw it because I completely agree with those people who say that Joe Flacco does go down late. It's right on or just before the line again where normally a quarterback wouldn't necessarily go to ground because they want to get across the first down marker. Like when you see it at full speed, yes, it looks brutal, but you understand that it's very difficult to pull out of that kind of challenge. But at the same time, it looks incredibly brutal. It's the shoulder does drop down, which makes contact with the head. The fact the helmet pops off makes it look a lot worse. And so uh, for me, it's very difficult to see how he doesn't get some kind of repercussions from it. But I do understand when when he's in the in the locker room afterwards, being incredibly reticent about it and being very honest with reporters and saying, look, I thought it was a bang bang play. I thought that. Uh, he went down late, but of course I don't want to see him injured. And and I think he was really mature and kind of handled it well afterwards. But I, I I can understand why people today are saying, well, I think that there's going to be some kind of some kind of comeback on this. Mm. I mean, Kiko Alonso is not a dirty player. I mean, that's the first thing to get out there. He's just not. You know. Secondly, I, I agree with him that, that it was a bang bang play, and I, and I agree with you. It's. I feel conflicted over it. You know, you don't you don't ever like to see that. You, you know, when Joe Flacco sort of raised his hand almost as if he was kind of asking for the check, it was clear he had no idea whether he was in Baltimore or Birmingham, frankly. Um, you know, and you never like to see that. I mean, it doesn't matter who you're playing. It nobody wants to see that in the game. But for anybody that's played sport at any sort of level, you know, especially competitive contact sport, those things happen, you know, whether it's a football tackle, whether it's a rugby tackle, those things happen very, very, very quickly. You know, you have a split second to, to make a decision, you know, and I, you know, having played football at a decent level, you know, association rather than American, but, you know, if you're going to go in for a tackle, you commit to that tackle. It's very hard to pull out. You almost do more damage if you pull out of it than you do if you, you know, and I'm not trying to defend him at all. It, you know, it, it's just a very difficult, I don't know how Alonso is supposed to change, you know, when you're, because when Kiko starts to move towards Flacco, Flacco is still on his feet, moving towards the the first down marker. You know, he's not like he's. You'd expect Flacco to take, try and get the first down rather than slide. So, yeah, it looked a bad play. Yeah, you hope that Joe Flacco's okay, and I suspect that Kiko will get a fairly hefty fine, and maybe even. I mean, a lot of people were talking about suspension. I thought one one sort of addendum to it was was interesting that, you know, there was a number of personal foul penalties after that hit mm-hmm. that, that were sort of weren't were almost sort of waved away because Not everybody was, on. No, was too, everything just but, went a bit too crazy and because essentially Alonso was attacked by one of the one who of the, was the Ravens guards. who was the Ravens lineman the guard who was it Jesse and he didn't, and he hit him not just once, but twice. Yeah, it was he that hit him first, and then he hit his, and knocked his helmet off. The second hit was worse than the Kiko Alonso hit on Joe Flacco. He Absolutely. really went after it. You know, so there's a personal foul penalty. Then Sue jumps in, and that's probably a you know so. But you, I, I don't think you can pick and choose your personal foul penalties. So, you know, there were, there were clearly multiple penalties on that play, one of which was the hit, but there were a number of personal foul penalties that happened, dead ball fouls that weren't weren't called. I, I found that slightly slightly odd. But you know, listen, I mean, it could have been fifty or sixty if Flacco had stayed in the game. So I mean, you know, let's hope that he's back healthy and back ready next week and 
you know he can uh, he has no sort of long-term effects because you don't want to see that but it, no, of course. It, uh, it's not it didn't seem to me a dirty play from a guy who doesn't have a reputation at all as being a dirty player so and the lucky thing for baltimore is that it is uh the fact that this happened on a thursday does mean that he does have a 10-day turnaround between this game and then being at the titans a uh, week on sunday so uh in this weird choppy podcast we're now going to come back me and ollie are going to look at the five o'clock games as they are this week, and I mean, Simon are going to look at the later games. All the fun. Hazel Irvin here, and I'm at Mammoth Insurance in Leeds, where Kate has arranged an office chair race to fundraise for sport relief. And these riders have got their kit on. They are rearing to go. And they're off, taking an early lead and smashing injustice right out of the park. It's Daphne from Accounting, riding the spreadsheet demon chair. Up comes Nina from HR on Beat Me and You're Fired, closely followed by Mark from Marketing on the 9 to 5 chair. Even Javid from Health and Safety's at it, waving his clipboard like crazy. Go easy there, Javid. We don't want any injuries, fella. And from nowhere, it's Jenny on El Chero Loco, rolling right over poverty to cross the line first. And the crowd goes loco. Unbelievable. You can help change the world too. Just get your exclusive Sport Relief merchandise at Janeiro's Sainsbury's. Sport Relief. It's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast. So let's take, uh, that was Thursday Night Football, Simon Clancy, Simon might join us later on the show, might not, we'll have to wait and find out. Oh, you tease. Uh, it's less of a tease. Well, as, and more, right now, we don't know. More a total lack of organisation. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I mean, there was organised, uh, we've gone through this, carry yeah. on. <laughs> let's not rehash old ground, because I'm worried that you'll get upset, Ollie. So we'll just start previewing the early games, we'll go for as long as you're able to, Ollie, and then we'll switch to me and Clancy previewing more games of this time. We'll start off at Twickenham, the wingless... Cleveland Browns come to Twickenham at 0-7 to face the 5-2 Minnesota Vikings. And uh, we've had Kenny Britt being a little bitch this week and saying that, I don't like flying to London. It's because you lost when you're a Ram and you're expecting to lose as a Brown. If you come here and you do well, suddenly you feel a bit differently about life. I, um, I, I'm very much feeling at the moment that the Minnesota Vikings will win by at least two touchdowns. I think that's being conservative i think it's genuinely devastating that we've got the news that miles garrett isn't going to be flying he's in concussion protocol obviously joe thomas his run of snaps i mean i was just excited to speak to joe thomas because i think he's a a a great talker and one of the really great thinkers in the nfl at the moment so i'm just really gutted about that i i've just it's all round one of those weekends where uh, one of those games where with the results as they are, with the teams performing as they are, if you're a Vikings fan or if you've got Vikings in fantasy, you might have a really fun day. And just, I think, get excited about seeing some really good players playing football, particularly on the defensive side of the ball for the Minnesota Vikings, because this could be a great all-time defense in theory, rather than actually getting excited about the matchup. I think the game has been played at a rugby stadium. It could be a cricket score. No, oh, nice. Thank you very much. That's um, great, great English uh, English sport revelry. Yeah, that's one for all of our many uh, American listeners. Look, the the Browns are a terrible, terrible team. Kaiser is going to start. They're flip flopping like you and I flip flopping the on the pod. They're flip flopping their <laughs> their starting rotation of uh, quarterbacks. Hogan hasn't worked. Kessler hasn't worked. Kaiser's back in. But they're just... We could see all three of them on Sunday. We could. We could. And wouldn't that be fun? 
uh, <laughs> at least that would be something yes. for the team to, to get involved with. Um, they're not a good team, sadly, and you've got to think how long it will be before they get rid of Hugh Jackson. I'm interested to see... I, I, think, I don't think they will quite yet. I'm interested to see um, what how Twickenham does with an early kickoff again, because like we said on the earlier pod, I thought they did a really bleeding good job earlier in the week. I'll be really interested to see how they do with the later in the uh, earlier in the day kickoff, because people will be arriving in a more compressed time space sure. and just making sure there aren't queuing issues. Of course, people of the UK, I'm sure if you're an NFL fan and intelligent enough to be listening to this podcast, you will already be fully aware, but our clocks go back on Sunday evenings. You have an extra hour of what? partying on no on Saturday evening so you have an extra hour of partying overnight Saturday night but it does mean that all the games kick off early 1.30 for this one 5pm for our next slate of kickoffs just remember that kids just remember that that's that's sage advice I do my best uh, I really do it's not your fault mate it, that's, that's not my fault they're phoning upstairs There's someone picked it up Great work okay top great. stuff so uh, we both there, got the Vikings there by yeah, a I mean, is there anything that gets you excited about this game um no <laughs> I think, silence I th- speaks a thousand words I think Thielen's a really fun wide receiver to watch and hopefully Diggs will be back so those two guys maybe David and Joku that's only on a fantasy reason because I've picked him up in a couple of leagues because of that's my only option so th- that is it there is nothing really else now that Garrett's not playing Thomas is out uh, it's just that defense. I went. I went on Fox Sports Ohio this week, uh, and I did an interview on a show called Drennan Live, talking about the Browns coming over to play here. And the guy on the show, they were they were basically asked Nat to come on because he's the name who's in the contacts book in the NFL contacts book of UK guys. Nat couldn't do it, so pawned it off onto me. Um, the guy really oversold me in the intro, like. It was, you know, if you were doing a joke Triple B intro, yeah. it was like that. So you absolutely loved it? Uh, no, because it was embarrassing how famous he tried to claim I was. I mean, last on the last show, you did say that you were famous. <laughs> I'm not famous. You, I didn't well, I mean, say you that. did say that. You said other that. famous wills. I didn't say did that. Did you cut that out? It was an accident. You cut did, it out? No, I didn't cut it out. Did, I mean, you did say other famous wills. It just wills. slipped out. <laughs> other so, Wilms. Other Wilms? <laughs> Who's Wilm? <laughs> the Wilms. Why was there a thought there <laughs> what's going on oh no <laughs> oh piss off i'm so tired um it's, it's almost cruel to pick on a man so tight but the problem is is that the guys you know our friends the espn engineers who always help us out on radio road because we're absolute poo houses and we haven't got the right equipment and everything else yeah, yeah. those guys saw my hit on Fox Sports Ohio and started subtweeting me being like oh Mr. Famous Guy are we I know who's getting the beers in in Minnesota well, and stuff that like is that fantastic so that was the funniest thing about that Brad's game we might be seeing a team this weekend who could be the first team to play a home Super Bowl in their own stadium just I, saying I really hope not Uh, let's talk about the 5pm games then I'm sorry if I say 6 again at any point during the show and and there's a lot of intriguing matchups here starting off in Orchard Park where the Oakland Raiders bouncing back on Thursday night football against the Kansas City Chiefs face a 4-2 Buffalo Bills team 
slightly shock Buffalo Bills team. Many believed that not only would Buffalo not have a winning record at this point in the season, but that Oakland would be sitting well above 500. It's even surprising to me, really, that the Bills are only favourites by two and a half points in this game. I get that there was the come-from-behind win against Kansas City, an emotional win for the Oakland Raiders, but I still don't see their run game being good. I still think Amari Cooper got a little bit fluky with a couple of those long touchdowns and dropped too many balls. I'm still not sure what we're getting from the Raiders defence, although it must be said, Navarro Bowman went in and did a sterling job for them a linebacker considering he had two days three days practice with the team before they played the Chiefs what a man what a player I just think I think going to Orchard Park a place where they've already got a win over Denver this season and a Denver team that at that point were rolling I think Bills at home is a really tough prospect and I think they're going to beat the Raiders oh god we're, we're agreeing far too much we're only two games in Ollie I know I know that's true uh, yeah um Look, the Bills, as you said, are, are a really tough prospect. Are they undefeated at home? I think they are undefeated at home. I believe so. So, um, going, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say be, yes. It might be not true. Let's but. go for it. And I agree. <laughs> I think um, the game, the comeback win and the nature of it, it was almost inevitable that they were going to do it at some point against the Kansas City Chiefs uh, eight or nine days ago. Um I can't. I, I. I think it's papering over the cracks. Although one sh- shred of crumb and crumb of comfort is that Lynch is unavailable. So DeAndre Washington is it DeAndre Washington? DeAndre Washington's been yeah. excellent, yeah. Uh, as has Jalen Rashard. So I think that might give them a, a bit more of a focus. It's not so obvious that they're going to run the ball every time when uh, Lynch is on the play. So uh, on the field. So. I, you know, I think that's kind of that. That makes it more interesting. I just, I just think the Bills' defense too good, and actually, they, they led up twenty-seven points to the Bucks in that come-from-behind win. But actually, other than that, in the four games prior, they were only conceding just over sixteen points a game, and they're so stingy at home. I've, I've got to take the form defense over the roller coaster team. I'm afraid. And quietly, Tyrell Taylor's having quite a nice season. Yeah, I, I like Tyrod Taylor. I like Tyrod Taylor. I think, he, I think he is the definition. We talk about scheme quarterbacks. I think he is the definition of a guy who suits certain schemes. But I, I, I really like him. I, no problem with him. Should we talk Chargers Patriots? Yeah, let's do it. New England are favoured by seven points here. What? Now... There's no Dante Hightower. There is no Dante Hightower. Dante Hightower, done for the season. That is a massive loss from a defence that looked like it got healthy against the Falcons. But let's not forget that Steve Sarkeesian appears to be the worst play caller in NFL history. The Chargers (laughs) have the best pair of edge rushers in the league, we already know that, against an offensive line that have been good, not great, for the Patriots. I think that they've improved better on the the second and third tiers of the defence. They've won three on the bounce... They've been getting the run game going. Keenan Allen's had a good few games. Philip Rivers got back in his groove after a terrible first three or four starts to the season. I think the Chargers are frisky going to Foxborough this weekend. I like that. Yeah, I'm with you. Frisky going to Foxborough. I'm, I'm, I'm still reticent about picking anyone in Foxborough other than the Patriots. I very rarely pick against the Patriots if I'm trying to actually win my pick em games, even though it makes me feel a little bit dirty inside every time I go to gridiron-magazine.com and do a little click on that stripy, square-headed logo. But It's a crap logo, isn't it? It is a crap logo, but... Yeah, I just I just think seven points is a little harsh, and I think the Chargers are going to turn up and, you know, do some business. This is this, so. This is it. Uh, these are the Philip Rivers stats. 
First four games of the season, six touchdowns, five interceptions. Since then, they've won three straights. Rivers has thrown for six touchdowns, no picks. And yes, OK, they beat the Giants, who aren't a big team, but they beat the Broncos by holding them scoreless. Yep. You know, I, I, I like the Chargers. I'm loving the Chargers. A player that I really like, and uh, some other podcasts have been quite high on him as well, is Hunter Henry. He mm-hmm. can catch the ball. He can block mm-hmm. the ball. He's got pace. Any relation? He, uh, no relation. No relation. Although, if uh, I wasn't to be called Oliver, I'd have been called Henry. You'd have been Henry Hunter and he'd have been Hunter Henry. Exactly. It'd have been like, um, damn it, Cameron Jordan and Jordan Cameron. Exactly. I knew that there was a pair of players in the NFL whose names were the wrong way around. Do you know what? And it, would have been a, it would have been exactly like that. Because if I was probably called Henry Hunter, I would have made it. It's an Beautiful. NFL player. So, yeah, I've actually picked the Chargers as well. I, I love that. I've actually picked the Patriots. But I, I like the Chargers to be a bit frisky. And I think particularly with that line and, and particularly with Dante Hightower down, let's not discount the Chargers this Sunday. That uh, would make the division interesting. If the Bills get a win, go to 5-2. and two. Patriots lose, go to 5-3. and three. Chargers get to 4-4. Four and four. I'm loving it. I'm loving the AFC right now. I'll tell you what, I think... The Patriots logo is the second worst logo in the NFL. Wow. Come on, then. Was- logo power rankings. Washington is the worst. Uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because uh, for the obvious reasons. But yeah. uh, I think the Se- Seahawks I, are the third uh, worst. Here's my kind of problem. Yeah. So if I'm looking down it, I don't like the Patriots. You're right. Um, what, what, the, the logo or the team? Uh, the logo. Okay, yeah. The Raiders, number one. I think the Browns have got to be right down oh, there. The Browns is a terrible logo. It's just a helmet. It's just a, although, yeah. I'm not so sure about the Jets either. I know it's kind of classic, straight lines, looks nice, but it's just the word Jets written on a background. Like, meh, who cares? Yeah, yeah. Like, I think New York's would be boring unless... But, but it's so iconic that it's kind of come to like it. Love the Rams. How do you feel about Miami's? Um, if Miami is the Miami got the same thing that they've got on their helmets. No, I like Miami's because they haven't put a little helmet on the dolphin With on you. the logo. If they put a little helmet on the dolphin like they have on the helmets, I don't like it anymore. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um I think NFC North, I'm, I'm keen with, the, with those all around. NFC South, I like all of those. The Fleur de Lis, the Panther, the, Fal- the Falcons is a great one. Great logo, the Falcons, yeah. I like anything Oakland's pirate great logo. I, w- I, I think w- Oakland might be my number one. Oh, really? I don't know about the Steelers. The Steelers is one I just don't get. I kind of like it because it's different, but I just don't get it. Isn't it the Atoms? Is that what it is? The Atoms. Atoms. Atoms? Atoms. 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 I just like the way he said it. Uh, yeah. Um, I like the Lion of the Detroit Lions. Does that hurt you to say? No. No, I quite like the Lions. Do you remember when we saw the Viking, uh, the Viking logo in Scarborough? Yeah, on a random... No, it's Scunthorpe. Scunthorpe, though, I always get them confused. Scunthorpe on a random uh, car dealership, and it was exactly the same as the Minnesota Vikings logo. It lifted it completely. It was so weird. Right, let's talk about a team with a great logo versus a team with a terrible logo. The Atlanta Falcons facing the New York Jets in MetLife. The Falcons falling to 3-3 three and three with that loss to the Patriots last weekend. The Jets now at 3-4 and four after their defeat last weekend. The Dolphins coming from behind in a big spot. And I've kind of got a feeling that this Jets team who have been, again, let's go back to that F word, frisky, so far this year. I got a feeling 
that what we might have seen last weekend is a Falcons team who are going to be getting a kick up the backside, taking on a Jets team who might just have had their spirit broken against the Dolphins last weekend. And I've just got a feeling that this, this is purely in my bones. This is nothing to do with what I've seen on the pitch. I just think the Falcons are going to turn things around this weekend against a Jets team who play it quite simple on defence. And that might suit what the Falcons do and who haven't really got the offensive weapons, I don't think, to compete with the Falcons at every level. Well, if the Falcons got the pass rush they need, maybe not. I'm taking the Falcons. I'm doing it. I'm picking the Falcons. Okay. Um, bef- yeah, okay. I Before we go and get Simon Clancy again, I am picking the Jets. And I'm picking the Jets because I think the Falcons could be broken. Plus, I'm seven games behind on the predictor game, and I think this could be somewhere that I might be able to try and make get, up a game. Try or and two. make up a game. I need to. I need to be a bit ballsy. And uh, on this one, I am. I. I think the Jets ha- are a team with spirit and fight, and I'm not sure that the Falcons at the moment are. Harsh words. Well, huh. Harsh words. Should we get? Should we get Clancy? I, I'm kind of tempted to rattle through. If you can hold on for two, three minutes, just to rattle through the rest of the five o'clock games with you, and then we can get on to the okay, late games let's, with. So let's just rattle through these very quickly. The rest of the five o'clock games, uh, the Chicago Bears and the New Orleans Saints. I was saying to you, this is what's confused me about this week. A lot of teams are very flip floppy. Who I don't really, I'm not really sure on. But the Saints at home in the dome. I think that they're going to be t- have too much for the Bears. The Saints' offense has been a real surprise, yeah. and I think Cameron Jordan. I, th- I think they'll stop the run. That's the main thing. And if you stop the run, they can't get away with just throwing the ball seven times for four completions with Mitchell Trubisky. So uh, yeah, I think the the Saints force an uncomfortable loss on the Bears. The way that Chicago are playing offends me. Um, <laughs> I, I like. I love running football. I know I love Jordan Howard, and I think he's he's great. But you can't keep doing that week to week. Teams will find you out. Cam Jordan, who we both love, uh, will find you out as well. I'm picking the Saints because the be- I never pick the Bears, but but also because I think they <laughs> I think they're a better team, the Saints, and the 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 Bears didn't score an offensive touchdown last week. That that again offends me. The two and five Colts against the two and four Bengals. I think that the the Colts, after the Bengals had that really tough game against the Steelers last week, I think the Colts might be heading into a buzzsaw. I think the Bengals might trounce them. I'm with you. They're coming back off a bye game, a bye game, a bye week. Uh, I think my theory will test up that most teams win when they come back off a bye week, and uh, I will be picking uh, the Bengals. They've got to get something going with their three, their three backs. Mixon, Hill and Bernard. Give Mixon the ball. Why are they faffing? They're, they're it's faffing week eight about. now. Give faffing him the ball. About. AJ Green is, uh, is due another monster game. Monster. Uh, a good one for, <laughs> for for the weekend, it being Halloween weekend. So, yeah. Uh, and Strong I think, work, mate. I think Brissett is not a good player. Do um, we even need to talk about the Niners having to go to Philadelphia to face the Eagles? This will be a three-score game for the Eagles. Minimum. Yeah. Minimum. But I saw Eric Reid has with been a, moved to linebacker. Eric Reid has been moved to linebacker and has been playing well doing that. I like. I, he's got the skills of that smaller Dion Buchanan-type linebacker. Big fan of it. Is uh, that Morgan Benetti, if Mor- I was going to understand it? Morgan Benetti, to an extent, yeah. That's the, the kind Italian of, sort of thing. Italian Morgan Benetti. Exactly. Uh, yeah, the Eagles are 13-point favourites, and that is being very generous to the 49ers. Uh, the Panthers face the Buccaneers. 
Panthers uh, in there's two more of the early games to talk about Panthers Bucks NFC South clash the the Panthers they've dropped two straight and just have fallen apart a little bit but then the Bucks last weekend was there are lots of bad teams in the NFL at the moment I don't like it Bucks can't get anything going on the ground whatsoever three game losing streak allowing the Buffalo Bills from a touchdown up to win by three points when they were a touchdown up with only about three and a half minutes left it's painful really painful I've got the Buccaneers here because I don't think I think they're a better football team at the moment than the I, Panthers I'm going to take the Panthers just because I don't think the Bucks have got the pass rush necessary and Cam yeah. Newton has been pressured a lot this season but I just don't think they've got the edge rush so I'm going to take the Panthers on the road so that wraps up the five o'clock games we've still got two late games to talk about Sunday night football and Monday night football so let's have Simon Clancy rejoin the podcast to talk through those games with us so we turn our attention to the late games now ollie has had to go off and do some real work but simon clancy is back on the line i promise you he's he's calmed down you were never angry about the dolphins it was all very calm it was just you know a lot of negatives to discuss but let's talk about a a game starting let's start from fedex field cowboys at washington in a game that two three and three teams two teams who at times have really impressed this season I love Washington that they have something on both sides of the ball, maybe not to the same level that the Eagles did before Jason Taylor went down, but they do look impressive in the trenches. And the Cowboys have been, at times, winning games without needing to have to rely on that O-line. The defence has looked better than we expected. It's all, as part of this season where we've been struggling to predict things, these are two teams who, I don't know, maybe it's suitable that they're sat at 500, but it turns into an absolute coin flip game for me. Yeah, totally. And I think home field advantage will be big. You know, like the Redskins defence, you'd hope that Josh Norman is going to be back, but I'm not sure he will be. And, you know, that's certainly an area where you think that, that Dallas could have that kind of key advantage. For sure, Breland will be up against Des Bryant. The key is going to be, how, you know, how well, I think how well both teams can run the ball. You know, and Ezekiel Elliott, if he plays, which I'm sure he will, that, you know, that's that just could be the nod for Dallas because they're going to have to get that, that that team's going to have to get going and somebody's going to have to light a fire under it and you wonder whether it was last week with the big blowout that they kind of take that on you know or, and I think there's an element there with Zeke as well where you've still got it in your mind that at any point you could lose him for six games absolutely so let's pound the Make rock the most 30 yeah, times yeah, while he's there absolutely uh, you know the, the Redskins defence is giving up I think 29 points per game over the last three games where it was just 20 points per game in the first first portion of the season which would be a concern um especially with dallas you know who can hurt you in multiple ways coming in i i was so impressed with philadelphia last week and and although the final score was was kind of 10 points against the redskins i um I felt like Washington were never really in that game. Mm-hmm. I think this is a Dallas win for me, I've got to say, which means it'll probably be a Washington win. <laughs> I think what's what's interesting to me is that you've got a Dallas O-line that everyone was, is obviously hyped on based on the performance of the last three seasons, but they've finally been getting some pass rush going, Dallas. Uh, Lawrence has looked like a superstar this season, but actually they're going up against the kind of sneaky good O-line of this of this group. I think Trent Williams has been brilliant. Brandon yeah. Scherf's been brilliant this season. Uh, I, I'm really excited about what they're doing on that side of the ball. I just think that my concern with Washington is the heavy reliance on Chris Thompson to do special things when they're yeah. at third and, and far too long based on the kind of down and distance and timing of the offense. 
defence. And we still need to see Terrell Pryor, Jamison Crowder stepping up to the level that they that we saw from the receivers in previous seasons and Jordan Reed to stay consistent and healthy because we know that when he is at 100% go, he can be up there with the top three or four tight ends in the league. Um, I just It's that inconsistency on offence that concerns me, but potentially that offensive line is what keeps this game a little tighter for me. Oh, although um, I, th- I, do, I do have a worry, because I think Morgan Moses has kind of been on the... I think he's been questionable all week at right tackle. You know, if you're going up against Demarcus Lawrence with a couple of twisted ankles, which he apparently has... That would be a concern for me, thinking that, you know, arguably one of the brightest young pass rushers in the NFL is going to be coming full bore at Kirk Cousins. That that would not make for particularly great. So just uh, double checking it, he did return on Monday and practice Monday, Tuesday, but okay. didn't practice yeah, yesterday. Yeah, didn't practice yesterday. So no. uh, you, you wonder, is that a, a... You never know. That could be a situation of, right, we think that he's ready, but we'll just give him a day of rest to make sure. Yeah, maybe. Or, yeah, it's a, well, that's but one of those the, really the, difficult The other conundrum ones. for me is the Ter- Terrell Pryor one. You know, where's the guy that was so dominant last season for Cleveland? Yeah, you know, absolutely. I know. You know, his route running was was really picked up last season and has fallen off a cliff this year. That would be a major level of concern for me. But what Cleveland did so well last year was get him involved in the offense in different ways. You know, he can take wildcat snaps. He did it against the Dolphins. Almost beat the Dolphins as a, when he was with the Browns at quarterback. He took snaps. He threw the ball. He ran wildcat. I would just get him involved a bit more. Do something surprising. Change the pace of the game. You know. To, into your favour and I think if you can do that and you can use a bit of an X factor like a Terrell Pryor who can do so many different things perhaps that's where Washington you know can give themselves a you know a real chance now a man that does do surprising things uh, at least in his first season in the NFL who believed that he'd adapt so quickly is Deshaun Watson but boy does he have a test this coming weekend as he faces the Seattle Seahawks defence now admittedly a Seattle Seahawks defence without Cliff Averill I think that uh, well, I don't think that we all know that that's a big loss for the year and potentially a big loss for the franchise because there are murmurings that he's thinking about well yeah. is that me done because of the because of his age etc um, that, that's a blow but they have looked the Seahawks have been growing into this season. My concern is still that their offense relies too much on the brilliance of Russell Wilson and not enough on getting some consistency in the run game, getting some consistent blocking. And you've seen it in the way that they've won games recently. It's been a lot of points in the late third quarter, in the fourth quarter. Uh, Texas have the potential to get up big early because of what we've seen from Deshaun Watson. If they're going to win this game, that's how they'll do it. I do fancy Seattle to to kind of grind one out, but I, I just think if they're going to beat good teams consistently across the playoffs, then Seattle need to start figuring out how to do this consistently. This will be the biggest game of Deshaun Watson's career in terms of who he is up against. He will never have played a defense this good. You know, he will look out and he will see a Richard Sherman, he will see a Cam Chancellor and an Earl Thomas and a Bobby Wagner, and you know, he will. You know, th- th- this will be for him his biggest test. You know, and he went to New England and he almost beat the Patriots, and that's great. But you know, I, I think even the most uh, pie-eyed and rose-tinted Matt Sherry, I mean Patriots <laughs> fan, would um, w- would admit that the Patriots defense isn't perhaps what it has been in, in in recent years. Now, if Watson can can beat this Seahawks defense, then potentially all bets are off, regardless of the injuries to JJ Watt and Whitney and Whitney Merciless. You know, but it, it's a big ask for him. And, and you and I have, uh, you know, switching to Seattle, you and I, uh, you know, and Matt and Ollie have had numerous discussions about the way that the Seahawks offense has been essentially left to Russell Wilson and not a lot else you know and that's ultimately I think year after year will be the downfall and it feels like they're wasting Russell Wilson actually because you don't really have 
you know. And it's weird to say that for a team that went to the Super Bowl twice and Absolutely. won it once in the first few years of his career. But he is good enough to put in the right offense. Absolutely, he could be going there season in season out. I mean. You know, I would be looking and calling pretty hard the Pittsburgh Steelers to see whether or not they wanted to move Martavis Bryant. I, you know, there are players out there ah, that are that's available. that's a great shout. Do you know what? We've been talking about this earlier this week. Martavis Bryant, from a talent perspective, could be a clear number one oh, receiver. You know, you have Martavis Bryant as your number one, Doug Baldwin as your two, Paul Richardson as your, your, you know, your field-stretching number three. Uh, and all of a sudden things are looking much brighter and then you go where does he land where they can deal with the fact that he can be a bit Seattle's a great place for that yeah and there's probably uh, no better locker room for that yeah you're absolutely right that's a really good shout well done Simon oh thank you thank you (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so I I kind of I'm oh I like it I'm going Texans I like it I think they can establish the run with Lamar Miller and I think there's an X factor Deshaun Watson just wins stuff he has something that very few people Aaron Rodgers has it Tom Brady has it you know you look back through here Tim Tebow had it in college Charlie Ward had it in college that just an X factor that you just can't countenance you you can practice you can lift weights you can study film but there's just something there was something at Clemson that always managed to lift him and you kind of see the same you know in Houston he's just got that X factor. Dwayne Brown back in the building Absolutely. as that's, well. That's huge. It's huge for Deshaun Watson. He's going to understand what it feels like to be protected on his blind side. Exactly. Exciting. Um, uh, two more games Sunday night football, Monday night football, Sunday night Steelers, Lions. Do you want to hear something uh, amazing about this game considering the age of these two franchises? They first played each other in a competitive football match in 1937. Wow. Sunday will be the first time that they face off in prime time. That's amazing. The first time ever. Uh, the Steelers 5-2 and two going to Ford Field to face the 3-3 three and three Lions. And I have to say, uh, early on, I'm leaning Steelers because the last two weeks, their defence has been great to Steelers, watch. I'm going Steelers big here. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, the oh, Steelers... Oh, it's another Sunday night blowout. We don't need that. The Steelers. I've been doing Sunday night football <laughs> for seven weeks of rubbish. <laughs> You got you got the twenty third ranked pass offense in Detroit against the second ranked pass defense in, in Pittsburgh. Joe Hayden has made an absolutely oh, so good. astonishing difference. You know, look at look at the play. He's he's gone back to almost being better than he was in the first couple of years. He is a dominant shutdown boundary corner. And he's this the season. he's the perfect guy to go in and and compliment those rookies, the Artie Burns of the absolutely. world, etc., who came in last year and and did what. The Steelers don't normally do and have rookies impress on defense. And he's making things a lot easier for for, for TJ Watt and for uh, the big Bud kid Dupree. from Kentucky, Bug Dupree, uh, you know, to get to the quarterback. Uh, you know, uh, they've, they've got real pass rush. They've got a defensive line full of stars. It's, absolutely, and it's they've a great got defense. they've got one of the most underrated players in the league in um, in their nose tackle, Javon, uh, Hargrave, Javon Hargrave. Yeah, he's an absolute. You know, people you know people won't necessarily be aware of his oeuvre, but he is a. Um, He's a superb player, a really, really good player. One of the matchups I'm looking forward to seeing actually is, is Darius Slay, who's one of my sort of, you know, falls into that Hargrave kind of category of underrated, really, really good players that perhaps the whole league doesn't know about. Darius Slay, the corner of Detroit against Antonio Brown. Obviously, you know, everybody knows about Antonio Brown, but, um, you know, that, that to me will be an interesting matchup. But I just think, uh, you know, Pittsburgh looked like a Super Bowl bound team to me. You know, if they can keep Ben healthy, which that offensive line is all of a sudden turned from a you know a liability into something really strong, Le'Veon Bell is just phenomenal, and they're just you know the addition, the little additions of Juju Smith-Schuster and and Joe Hayden really have kind of put this team 
you know, for me, on the brink. And, you know, there was, there was that kind of concern with the Jags loss a few weeks ago. I was like, oh, is this Steelers team going to disappoint again? But the last two weeks against the Bengals and, the, and against the Chiefs, I've been so impressed. No, me too. Uh, if you're looking for a team that could break the... The, the Patriots, you know, stranglehold on the AFC. I, I, I do think Pittsburgh could well be it. Well, the other two teams we uh, we kind of look at, and we saw the Chiefs striking out to five and zero. We had the Broncos, who who were there or thereabouts for some time and got themselves to a Super Bowl. Now sat at three and three after back to back really tough losses in division, not putting up zero points against your rivals against the Chargers is horrible, and they have to go into Arrowhead now and. Whilst the Chiefs have obviously had the wobbles of the last couple of weeks, I want to talk about something where there could be a, a, a big win on on prime time. Simeon has just dived off a cliff the last two weeks, and I'm really concerned about that Broncos offense going up against that Chiefs defense in Arrowhead of all places. Yeah, I mean, the Bro- Broncos are in a difficult situation because clearly they like Trevor Simeon as a game manager, but it, it, ultimately is he anything much more than the 22nd, 23rd best quarterback in the NFL? And you know, realistically, he isn't. What's his ceiling? Again, I, I, you know, he's not going to be a gunslinger. He's not. I don't. You know, I don't. I don't look at him and think there's a guy who can move into the top eight quarterbacks in the NFL. Then you have Paxton Lynch, you know, who they invested a lot of time, a lot of effort, a high draft pick in, and there has to be some sort of concern there now through year what are we essentially a year and a half since he's been drafted thinking not sure that Paxton Lynch is going to get it he's is not he getting ever, it he's, he's, he's not getting it at all it's as simple and as the that. fact that actually I think the next man up if Simeon went down would probably be Brock Osweiler oh and not God. Paxton Lynch which is a fairly damning indictment of well it, it happened briefly last weekend or the weekend before yeah. Simeon went down for that half a drive but came back out in the second half and it was very much Brock Osweiler the man to step up I mean I know you know I know Lynch has been injured I know the, the shoulder has been, has been an issue but I just I don't know I just and to, and to me you look at the Chiefs you know this is a team that's lost two close games against you know the Pittsburgh Steelers who we just discussed as a potential Super Bowl team you know in a in a barn burner of a game that essentially came down to the incredible Antonio Brown sort of juggle catch on the sideline and then they lost a you know with four plays after the you know the final gun had gone against an Oakland Raiders side who yep they struggled but an in-division game in Oakland you know two kind of hated rivals that you kind of throw you know it's a little bit like uh, I don't know pick any kind of it's a cup fixture cliche yeah, absolutely but you know let's pick a you pick the Merseyside derby or any of those kind of games that, you know if Everton are struggling and Liverpool are top of the league it's always going to be a tight game. It's always going to have a great atmosphere. You know, it's not going to go the way that league form would necessarily suggest it's going to go just because they're, you know, it's a rivalry game. You know what happens in rivalry games. It's that, you know, it's that kind of thing. And so I, I'm certainly not going to be bowing out on the Chiefs, um, you know, I, so far. I think my concern from the Broncos side of things as well is what surprised us about them in the first few weeks. And it's everything from the run defense being so good early on. Adam Gotsis has been brilliant yeah. in the year two. Demata Pecco has made a huge difference there. It's everything from Garrett Bowles being a great surprise as a rookie coming in at left tackle for the first few weeks. It's CJ Anderson looking great the first four weeks. And then the last two weeks, none of that's really clear. Three touchdowns in four games. I mean, you can't, you can't win games scoring, you know, Trust me, I'm a Dolphins fan. You can't you can't win games. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they they shut out last week against the Chargers. I think I think it was the first time they were shut out since '92. Oh, it was, it's a I mean, ridiculous length. You know, of time, which would yeah. make prizes for guessing who the Denver quarterback would have been back in '92 when they were shut out. 
Go on, uh, Willie. Have a stab in the dark. No, I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to... It's it's too late in the day, and... I, I suspect it would have been Tommy Maddox, but I may have got that wrong, but it's worth... Um, I'll tell you what, I'm going to Google it now. Broncos shot out in 1992. I'm, I'm already are you on doing it. it? Uh, or at least trying to. Uh, yeah, I can't... It's, I'm not going to find it quickly. So you, you find it, Simon, and you, and you deal with it. So I think we've both taken the Chiefs at home. Yeah, Chiefs to win this comfortably. Beautiful. Simon Clancy, thank you very much for Tommy your Tommy Maddox time. is the right answer. Tommy Maddox, Boom. well done, mate. That is very impressive. Back of the net. Old man. Um, a <laughs> <laughs> uh, lot of love for you, Simon Clancy. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, well, if we don't get you on next week, we'll certainly be speaking with you in New Orleans or right. Atlanta or wherever it is we next set up our mics and, uh, and bang one of these out. So looking really really forward to seeing you buddy me too pal can't wait it's going to be great great stuff have See a good you in one the US of a. thank you everyone for listening uh, go check out touchdown trips of course ben mortimer and the team getting you in the game uh, you may have heard him on the last show if you didn't go back and check it out because we're already starting to plan for next year it's going to be great uh get check us out on twitter and instagram uk gridiron on instagram at gridiron on twitter rate us wherever you get your podcasts from put a review in find people get a Reviews review in are, you know all of that stuff as well we've done our begging now thank you so much for listening this has been the Gridiron Show. Hey guys, it's Devon Sam here from LucasAid Sports Podcast, running the show. Check out this week's episode where we get to meet the one and only Anthony Joshua. Oh my goodness, do you think he wants to be friends with us now? Uh, yeah, mate, he, he told me that he wants to link up and have a bit of sparring. Yeah, sure he did. So head to all your podcast providers and click subscribe now. Also get in touch with us at LucasAid Sport using the hashtag running the show. You will not regret it.